podcast personal finance edition i'm rashmi and i'm joined by my co-host olivia you might be reading this episode title and think what does this have to do with anything personal finance well there's a lot more connections between these two factors than you think for many american families high school students often choose the path of going into college it's essentially the requirement for most people Mm -hmm. from free public education that many students do to paying a lot of money, around $30,000, or even all the way up to $70,000 a year, it's a huge financial burden. And if you haven't considered how to pay for college tuition, it can be very difficult down the line. You'll find yourself taking out loans that you can't pay back and end up in this mountain of debt. According to the Education Data Initiative, the federal loan balance is $1.645 trillion and accounts for 93.1% of all student loan debt. And the average federal student loan debt balance is $37,718, while the total average balance, which includes private loan debt, may be as high as $40,499. As college tuition is growing higher and higher in cost, this is only becoming a bigger problem for many people, especially considering that most people do end up going to college. Exactly. This is why this episode is dedicated to parents and kids on how to make sure that this won't be a burden in their lives. We also throughout this episode that one of the biggest factors in making sure you can avoid debt is time. Interest builds up quick, so you should be prepared to pay off your debts earlier. Exactly. So let's start off with the first one. Just understanding your college costs. Planning for college involves estimating and understanding the costs associated with tuition, room and board, books, supplies, transportations, and all the other expenses that tie into that. Knowing these costs helps in creating a financial plan. One of the factors that takes up a big chunk of your tuition is room and board. Let's say that the college you want to go to is nearby your home. You may not to live on campus unless there is a requirement by the college. But this can significantly drop your college tuition before you even set up a payment method. Engaging what type of university you want to go to is also important. You need to understand your personal financial capabilities and the limitations in assessing the affordability of different colleges and making informed decisions about the cost of attendance, loan options, and the impact on future finances. This ties back into the idea we mentioned earlier. It's a lot easier to set up your payment system if you have a solid understanding on how much your college is going to be. That way, you don't put more money into savings, which can potentially hinder your your and or your family's financial situation. So we've been using the word payment system a lot. So let's talk about that. What are some ways to save up for college? There's two methods I recommend. The 529 plan, or the Cordovel Education Savings Account, otherwise called ESA. 529 plans are versatile educational saving tools offering two primary options, prepaid tuition plans and education savings plans. Prepaid tuition plans allow families to pay for future college tuition at current rates, covering tuition and mandatory fees. Education savings plans function as investment vehicles with contributions directed into mutual funds, index funds, or age-based investment options. The growth is tax-deferred and withdrawals are tax-free when used for qualified educational expenses. What makes them very useful lies in their tax benefits. Contributions to 529 plans are made post-tax, but the earnings grow tax-deferred and withdrawals for qualified expenses 
qualified educational expenses are entirely tax-free, providing a substantial financial advantage. These plans offer flexibility by covering a broad spectrum of qualified expenses, including tuition, fees, room and board, books, and supplies. One significant advantage is the absence of income restrictions, allowing contributors of any income level to participate. Depending on the state, 529 plans often accommodate high contribution limits, enabling families to accumulate significant funds for educational purposes. Another key benefit is beneficiary portability. A beneficiary is the person who owns the money accumulated. When they say beneficiary portability, it means that it allows the plan's beneficiary to be changed to another eligible family member without incurring penalties if the original beneficiary doesn't use all the funds. Now, if you go for the 529 education savings plans, there can be risk involved because it's tied to the market performance. If there is a huge drop in the market performance, that can affect the value of your plan. Additionally, withdrawing funds for non-qualified expenses results results in income tax and a 10% penalty on earnings, so make sure you stick to the plan's guidelines to maximize their benefits. Similar to 529 plans, contributions to a Coverdell ECA grow tax-deferred, while withdrawals remain tax-free if directed towards qualified education expenses. However, the distinguishing factor lies in the more expansive use of funds within an ESA, extending beyond higher education expenses to encompass a broader spectrum including elementary and secondary education costs. Another notable advantage is the array of investment options offered by Coverdell ECAs, providing account holders with more extensive selection of investment choices compared to the more structured investment options in 529 plans. They often allow account holders to invest in individual stocks, bonds, mutual funds, exchange-traded funds known as ETFs, and other investment vehicles. This flexibility grants account holders greater control over their investment strategies and allows for more diversified portfolios portfolios tailored to their specific preferences and risk tolerance. Despite these advantages, Coverdell ESAs have a restrictive annual contribution limit set at $2,000 per beneficiary. This can create a challenge for families seeking to accumulate larger sums for education-related costs. There are also some income restrictions that apply. This account is for contributors with high income levels, which limits the pool of individuals able to contribute to the account. Each plan has its pros and cons, but choosing between the two depends on which account best suits your savings goals and situation. Aside from planning your finances and time for college, fostering open communication within families about financial capabilities and expectations for college funding is crucial. This communication enables a deeper understanding of how much families can contribute financially, allowing students to make realistic choices and set appropriate expectations for themselves. Something to think about is if the student has to pick up a part-time job to help support their family to pay for college. Integrating these approaches aids in creating a more comprehensive financial strategy where both student contributions through employment, if needed, and family financial support align to mitigate the overall cost burden of higher education. Not only will this make your college experience stress-free, the accumulation of debt won't be looming over you into post-graduation or even well into your career. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Community Corner Podcast, Personal Finance Edition. This is Olivia and Rashmi, cashing out.